Aloha. Welcome to this new episode of Pacific Leaders Today, a podcast from the East-West Center dedicated to young leaders from the Pacific. This portion of the series focuses on alumni of the Pacific Island Leadership Program, an East-West Center program that seeks to build leaders dedicated to shaping the future prosperity of the Pacific region by taking informed and effective action and is funded by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Republic of China, Taiwan. I'm your host, Philippe, and today I'm talking with Salote Xiaosi from Samoa. Salote is a medical doctor specialized in women's health, and she shares with us her journey in leadership through self-discovery and dedication to the well-being of others. Salote, talofa. Talofa, Philippe. Thank you for taking some time to talk with me. Uh, so my first question is uh, actually quite easy, but uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where do you come from uh, and what are you doing with your life at the moment? <laughs> sure. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And talofalava, everyone. Yorana uh, and aloha to all of our Hilp family. So my name is now Salote Siosi. Uh, when I attended Hilp uh, in 2016, I was Saloteva I then. I was just chatting with Philippe earlier. I just got married four weeks ago, so it's a different season in life now. Congratulations well. on that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so I'm from Samoa. I uh, grew up in Samoa, lived in Samoa all my life. I went to Fiji and I studied medicine there before I moved on to working. And then in 2016, I was part of Generation 4 in um the PILP program in Hawaii. And upon returning from Hawaii in 2016, I then left and I was in New Zealand for a couple of years. I'm now back in Samoa. And at the moment, I work as a private practitioner in the area of women's health. Uh, I run my own GP practice. And we're just a few weeks away now, Philippe, from opening a second branch, which is a bigger oh. branch. Wow. Yeah, so we'll be running two clinics, um, uh, say in two or three weeks' time. So that's that's quite exciting. Uh, so that's where we are at the moment. Pre-PILP and during the time of PILP, I was working in the public sector, and now I'm in the private sector instead. Awesome. Well, another congratulations then on this uh, additional project. A lot of things are happening in your life. Thank you. So uh, you were mentioning that you are indeed a former participant of the Pacific Island Leadership Program mm. uh, run by East West Center and funded by uh, Taiwan. Um, can you tell us why did you decide to participate in this program and eventually how did it impact you? I wanted to go to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reason. <laughs> uh, well, yes, I was Generation 4 PILP 2016. The program was actually recommended to me by one of my clinical mentors who had done some work with East West Center a few years back. So he emailed me the link and then I had a look through it. And it was actually the first time that I had heard of this program. So I asked around and I found um, someone who was an alumni, uh, same class as Philippe, uh, Alatina Yoelu. So he mm -hmm. was uh, generation two. So I had a conversation with Alatina. Um, and he really recommended the program as well. So it was after speaking to him that I decided it was it was something worthwhile applying to. And I was so excited when I got in. So, um, yeah, that was that was 2016 for me. And as I mentioned, at that time, 
I was working in uh, the National Hospital. Uh, and as I shared a few times during my time in Hawaii, it was I was in a, a much more stressful space at that point. I was, um, I guess, very frustrated, very angry in many different ways in, the, in that job. And so when the opportunity of PILP uh, was presented to me, I, I felt like it was, in a way, a way out of the current situation. Um, and also at that point in my job, we were, as many, I guess, young doctors uh, will often experience in their first few years of, of work, um, we were trying to implement a few changes in our workplace, and we felt that we were constantly coming up against uh, a brick wall. So in all honesty, when I when I, the opportunity arose, I, I wanted a, a way out, I wanted a break, and I wanted to um, learn a bit more about how leadership could be done better. Um, and I thought I was going to simply go to Hawaii, learn how to be a good leader, come back, <laughs> and then leave. Um, but instead, uh, PILP was a very different, life-changing experience for me, very different from what I had expected, but in a very good way. So instead of just simply flying off to Hawaii and learning about leadership, I went to Hawaii and I, from PILP, I really learned about humility. Um, I really learned that leadership is not, leadership is about, yeah, learning to humble yourself um, for the sake of the team. Um, Philip taught me that leaders aren't just as I previously thought. I thought leadership leaders were people who were who were loud <laughs> and wealthy, like me. <laughs> but uh, um, my time in Philip taught me that there are many different personalities, and um, leaders lead out of different styles, and that in order to be a good leader. Um, one had to be open-minded uh, to to the different ways that you could lead. So my time in Hawaii really learned. I really learned how to lead out of who I am. And um, as Philippe knows, I found out I was a number one. So very organized, very driven, like to do lists. But as I learned from Keith Coates, as many other pilpers have, I learned that um, there are many good things about. Uh, a number one. That's what I learned. What was um, a revelation for me was learning about the weaknesses of my personality. And that's something that I hadn't previously looked at. And as Keith uh, so nicely put it, my weakness was that I was striving for the goal, but I wasn't afraid to stand on people to get to the goal. <laughs> So that was that was a very even though it stung at the time to learn that I realized the truth in that you know I I've always been very goal oriented and I realized that without without meaning to there were many times where I would just aim for the goal but I would neglect people and so now post pilp now I look after my people and I look after my team as we strive for the same goal and you know, keeping boundaries, healthy boundaries um, in check. Now I know that people come first and the goal comes second. Yeah, and that was PILP, took PILP to teach me that. All right. 
And so, uh, as you just said, the, the program really changed the way that you see leadership. So after a few years uh, past Yelp, would you describe yourself uh, as a leader and, and why so? Yeah, sure. Um, so yes, the answer to that is yes. Once upon a time, I used to think leadership was about titles and roles and status and age and to some extent about gender as well. Um, you know, and leaders were many different things in my mind, but, you know, they were often a leader was someone or, or leadership was something that you could only be given or handed down to you, you know, almost like a role, like, here you go, it's your turn to lead. Um, but now, you know, after, after Pilpin and life experiences as well, we know that Leaders simply are people who see a problem and choose to do something about it. Uh, leaders are people who who see something and go, okay, well, what what can we do? Uh, leaders, um, you know, especially in these times now with COVID, leaders are people who say, okay, it doesn't look that great, but there's hope. And they instill hope and they instill um, encouragement into the people around them. And so... Having said that, I would hope that that's something that I continue to do um, in my work, in the patients that I deal with, in this clinic that we currently run and in the team that we're going to have, because we're now expanding from a team of two to a team of about 10 in the new clinic. So it's a much bigger team to lead. Um, and one of the main reasons why we opened this clinic was because women's health is something that needs a lot more work here in Samoa as in many regions, but we don't have clinics that are geared towards women's health in general uh, in the public se uh, private sector. Um, and so we saw that gap and we decided, okay, we we're going to open, open this clinic and more than 90% of our patient load are females, uh, women, young girls, and it's become uh, a clinic that's quite popular. Everyone knows, okay, if, if, if you're female, if you have health issues, you come here. So it's been really great. Um, and we have a program as well where we offer free care to patients who come from Savai, the other main island, and also rural areas that may not be able to pay for uh, public public care, uh, private, private health care. And so how it works is it's called, it's a pay it forward system. So patients okay. will come and then they make a donation um, and we make a voucher out of that. And then if someone comes in who is struggling a bit to pay their fee or who asks to go and come back to pay their fee another time, then they're given the voucher and they're told that someone else has paid for their health care. So it's, it's, uh, it's been really great to see that program working and seeing women helping other women and uh, being able to offer uh, the necessary medical care to women through this clinic that we have. Mm. A super interesting system and a good way, I think, to strengthen the bonds between people within a community by mm. encouraging them to help each other, basically. Yeah, it's been really nice. It's been good. Nice. Uh, so you just mentioned uh, women's health as, as being a, an important um, uh, topic in, the, in, in Samoa, but also in the region as a whole. You mentioned COVID. Uh, obviously, we can all think about another big challenge that we are facing right now, which is climate change. Yes. When, you, when you look at all those major challenges that our region is facing, and, and those are quite new challenges and new experiences, 
in what way do you see leadership as an important tool to tackle those challenges? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, yeah, I think that that's a, that's a great question. I think that that's a, a great topic for for conversations, uh, not just here but in in groups as well, because there there really are a lot of challenges that the region is facing, especially over the past two years. Um, I think COVID has kind of heightened all the other challenges as well. Um, and I guess for looking at the Pacific Island, uh, we always like to try and say that. And for many years, we've often looked at our geographical isolation as a disadvantage. You know, we're, we're isolated from, from bigger countries for imports and for travel. But I think it's now proven to be actually uh, an advantage. Um, being so isolated, I guess, with regards to COVID. And, you know, here in Samoa, we're still COVID-free uh, since the outbreak um, started. And our border control has been quite stringent. They've been very strict. And, and I take my hats off to the leaders in the health sector who have done really well to try and maintain that. Um, but... In saying that, COVID nineteen over the past couple of years have it's the whole pandemic and being shut off from other islands and other countries has really shown the need for for leaders and for leadership styles to be open to adaptations and and adapting fast. Uh, um, and we're so grateful for technology um, that people have been able to use to stay in touch but also for businesses to continue to, to function and continue to, to run. Um, for example, in, 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 our, in our clinic, so in, in the area of health at the National Hospital, so our clinic, we order everything that comes through the National Hospital. Um, and since the beginning of COVID, we have gone through several um, weeks or months of just chronic shortages of equipment and drugs and you know, blood tests and all kinds of things. And so, you know, in the beginning, it was kind of frustrating because we weren't used to not being able to get certain things done. Um, but now we've been able to reach out to colleagues in New Zealand and Australia, um, you know, for help. And we consult with them online. And also now people are making more use of technology and relaying results back. So before, for example, you send blood results to New Zealand and then you wait and everything gets sent back eventually. Now it just goes across. We're trying to time everything because flights go out every Thursday. So we try and get bloods done Tuesday. They get packed on Wednesday. They're on the, the flight on Thursday. They arrive into Auckland and then it takes a couple of days before the results are turned around. So we've really had to 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 adapt to not being frustrated that things aren't working the way they used to, but finding new ways to do it and then just really trying to work with people overseas um, to make a, a system happen that works for us as well. I think apart from the pandemic, I think one of the other um, huge issue at the moment in our region is just the unstable political climates. And because it's politics and it's government and they make everything happen, it affects everyone else. So, for example, recently, I guess things have calmed down now here in our country. Our budget's been approved. And so now things are moving a bit more. Um, but definitely unstable political climates, um, which is a reflection of unstable leadership at that level, um, really is an issue uh, for, for the Pacific, especially small countries like us.
Mm. And I guess an example of that is um, I, I read an article written by um, Terence Wood, and he was comparing the political instability of Vanuatu and Samoa and saying that uh, Vanuatu is has been unstable for a long time, whereas Samoa has been too stable for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and and I thought that that was quite interesting um, reading his um, comparison. Um, and there are a few things that that Manuatu and Samoa have in common. Uh, but yeah, just the fact that I think we've become so comfortable in being one of the most politically stable countries for a long time. And now, since April this year, we've just been in and out of court and all this drama happening with our government. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's affected, you know, everyone. And I think there are many things that we could talk about, but I think one of the things that stands out for me is just the division that's happened among people and the use of social media to to cause that division and to drive that division. Um, and so I think that that's going to be an issue that um, governments are always going to face now across the Pacific is the power of social media to either unite or divide people. Um, so unstable political climates will continue to to be perhaps a issue that might recur mm-hmm. um, but one of the ways that I can see that we can try and I guess not solve it but deal with it better is just trying to ensure that there are better this better uh, monitoring around what goes on to social media and what the mainstream media puts out because the the you know those avenues of media, whether social or mainstream, have so much power in either uniting people and calming them down, or dividing them and causing more instability. Mm. And and so looking at all those situations that you've just described, and and in your position as a young leader who's probably going to be called to uh, be even more uh, present as a leader in your community in your country. Uh, how would you describe the future of the Pacific? How do you see it uh, right now for like the 10 or 20 years to come? Mm. I sat with that question for a while, Philippe. Um, mm. I've written a few notes for some of the other questions, but for this one, it's been a little bit hard to kind of um, kind of come up with answers. I remember that during PILP, we um, had done an exercise where we wrote, I think, five or six different possible futures <laughs> for ourselves. And so um, I, I thought, oh, I should try and, and do that for, you know, for Samoa, for the region. What are some of our possible futures? And of course, we all hope that we have uh, a prosperous, hopeful future. Um now that things, and I'll speak just for Samoa at the moment, now that things have settled politically for us, uh, we hope that that this is it, basically. Like, now we can settle and now the, the country can move on. Um, but what we keep in mind is four years will come around pretty quickly. The next elections will come around very quickly. And what we would like to see is at the next election process is that things go a lot a lot more smooth and one of the things that we've really noticed as a country is just how divided people have been and that's brought out some very not so nice sides of people that we've seen on social media and it's you know even in churches and families it's caused some division 
And so we would hope that as a country, we would respond in a way that is more calm and more kind, I think, in the future, if this were to happen again. Um, yeah, I mean, this was, I mean, you've probably read about it. We had our elections in April. Uh, we now have a government in what September <laughs> and so I mean it's great that we that we have but it's, it's been so long and it's really yeah. just dragged out um yeah so well at least there was no violence so it's a yeah, hopeful, yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. hopeful thing to for the future yes one of the great things is that there's been no violence um And so it's certainly not gone down an ugly road that, that was certainly possible a couple of weeks ago. And I think one of the advantages that we have in Samoa is that even before colonial times, we were a very, what's I'm trying to think of the word, but we were, Samoa has one language. We're very small geographically. We don't have many separate islands and many different dialects which is one of our differences from, you know, Vanuatu, um, as I alluded to in the example. So it's a big advantage where people should be able to have more cohesiveness um, in, you know, in running the country, I guess. Um, and so we would hope that uh, in the future, um, our elections go a lot smoother. Um, one of the main issues in these past elections has been the representation of women in parliament. So we hope that in future there are more women in parliaments and that would um, uh, improve the representation of the women in Samoa. There's a lot of work for the coming leaders, but you have uh, good foundations to walk from and, and, and really try to steer the country in the direction that you think is the most efficient. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so as, as you remember, uh, When we talk about leadership, and especially in PIRP, we talk about the importance of legacy for leaders. So my last question for you uh, is uh, is based on that. And if you have to give any advice, uh, recommendations, or if you just wanted to share something important for you uh, to the people who are listening uh, in our region right now, what would you like to tell them? Mm. <laughs> so... I guess uh, I guess I'd start with um, with just saying thank you to everyone wherever they are um, in whatever role you lead and in whatever uh, Pacific Island you're in. Uh, thank you for what you do in your home, in your community, in your country to to just keep the daily things going. I think that um, there are many people who work every single day and feel underappreciated. And so I hope that you know that your work and who you are, um, you are appreciated uh, in all that you do. Um, and we appreciate you listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, I think, again, like I said, my experience with, with PILP was, um, was life-changing. And, and I say that because who I am today in 2021 is so different from the person that got on that plane and went to Hawaii in 2016. And in so many ways, because like I said, one of the biggest things that I learned in Hawaii and Taiwan was humility. And not in a way that, you know, I was shamed into it or embarrassed into it, but just the experience and learning that, oh, you know, 
people lead differently and it's about people not about the goal and just understanding different personalities like that was that was something that really opened my mind and my heart to to people and then also just to life in general and so many of the things that I'm doing today and so many of the doors that opened to me after Pilp I believe that I could have missed it if I had come back the same person as when I had left mm -hmm. and so I think one of the um the recommendation I guess not recommendations but you know advice or reminders that I'd give to people is um is always stay teachable um we're not always right we're not always the best at doing our job. There's always someone better, and we would do ourselves a huge favor if we if we learn from someone who's doing a better job from us. A good leader knows when to ask for help and when to step aside if there's someone else who's better for the job. One of the things that I would remind young leaders is the importance of self-reflection and self-awareness. Yes, we lead out of who we are, but we also need to know our limitations. So to to all of us, you know, just be just be reminded um, of that, of, of being self-aware and taking time to reflect. How did I do today? How did um, how did I make people feel today? How can I do better uh, mm. tomorrow? And I guess I'd, I'd wrap up with um, I don't have any huge grand leadership advice, Philippe. <laughs> Um, what I wanted to say simply, and this is from um, my background as HEP, is every day people come into my practice who are just tired and who are fatigued and who are doing great at their jobs but aren't looking after themselves. Mm. And, you know, if you are going to lead and lead others, you need to look after yourself, uh, take care of yourself um, first. And it's simple things like making sure you drink enough water, making sure you take time to exercise, get out of the house and get out of the office. We call it green time, GPs. We tell people you need to have 30 minutes of green time at least three times a week. So whether that's 30 minutes running, walking, or getting out to garden, play with your kids, take the time to get outside and get some fresh air. Um, and then things like sleeping six to eight hours at night. Make sure you're hydrated. Make sure you're well rested, because you know so many people are overworked and fatigued, and that's what I realize in my practice, uh, which has been open for the past two years. Lately in Samoa, we've lost so many people, young people in their thirties and forties, who have died, and um, you know. Sometimes the diagnosis comes back as likely a heart attack, a stroke. Um, but I wonder how many people are just succumbing to fatigue and stress um, and being overworked. And, um, yeah, so I always try and remind young people uh, when they come in. You know, your work, your office, your business, it, you could leave tomorrow um, and then find someone to replace you work would go on the office would keep going but the people that would suffer the most are the people who we are closest to and that's our families mm. and so if we look at our hours per week you could you look at it like a pie graph and more than 90 percent of that pie graph would be dedicated to work with 10 percent being given to your family and friends and so i would urge you that if you think that that that's you as it was me for a while too um, try and try and make more time for what matters most. 
Um, and I like what Nick always reminded us of in Phil. Look after yourselves and look after each other. That's true. Well, then, uh, thank you then uh, to you also, Salote, for those uh, wise words and for, for the time given uh, to talk to us. And uh, also thank you for having the courage to change because this is... Uh, <laughs> A big challenge, and you you took it uh, bravely. So, uh, congratulations and thank you, and all the best for the coming projects in your life. Thank you, thank you so much, Philippe. It was very nice talking to you again. Pacific Leaders Today is the podcast produced by the East West Center a non-profit organization that promotes better relations and understanding among the people and nations of the United States, Asia, and the Pacific through cooperative study, research, and dialogue. For more information on the center and its leadership programs, go visit eastwestcenter.org. Mahalo, and I'll see you soon for another episode.